He's a good God, isn't he? If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Mark, the sixth chapter, starting with verse 31. Mark chapter 6 and verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest for a while. Somebody shout amen. <laughs> Let me read that one more time. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest for a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Just ask you today, God, as we open our hearts that you'll let your word settle into our spirit, God, and teach us that that you want us to know. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you have ever recognized you needed some rest? Wave your hand if you've ever needed rest before. I mean, usually, you know, we talk about after a hard day at work, we need rest, and we come home, and you tell your wife, honey, I need some rest, and she said, you hang out with the kids for eight hours and tell me about rest. <laughs> And so there are times that we need rest, don't we? That we, well, but how many of you have ever discovered that rest sometimes can elude you? Hard to, hard to get rest. The thing is, is what happens when you don't get rest? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you get cranky. <laughs> how many of you recognize that you get cranky? Some of you, oh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I hope you all got a good night rest last night. So, I, look, I know that if I don't get good rest, I, I can be cranky. My children come over to visit, and yeah, I, I love it, and I love them. And, but when I get tired, I go around and I start hugging everybody. I love you. I'm going to bed. Good night. And I leave Debbie up with them. She's a night owl. So I, let, I just let them go at it. But I've, I, I've got to get my rest. Everybody say rest. Sometimes it's hard to get rest, isn't it? You, how many of you have ever planned to take a day off only to have something happen? And then you, you, you find yourself working again. Have you ever uh, laid down to take a nap or just got in your recliner to take a nap and all of a sudden the phone rings? I was in the recliner the other day and my phone rang and I answered it and finished that and put it back down, laid back, rang again, answered it, laid it back down rang again. I just got up. <laughs> I thought, it's not going to happen. Everybody say, it eludes us. Watch this. Mark 6, 33 to 34. Now, remember, he told his disciples to get in a boat. We're going to go get some rest. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. They take off to rest. People see where they're going. And by the time they get to where they're going, people are already there waiting on them. I want to focus on not only what is written, but what is not written. What is written is that when Jesus saw them, he had compassion on them. And he got out and he said, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them. What is not written 
is that disciples had compassion on him. How many of you know sometimes we just don't have the same kind of compassion that Jesus has? Can you see them, the disciples getting out of the boat and seeing all those people and going, are you kidding me? Really? Are you kidding me? And then whispering to Jesus. I, now, I, I don't know that this happened, but I do know that everything that happened isn't written down. But in my mind, I, I can see those disciples. Hey, Jesus, remember, we're supposed to be getting some rest. And he begins to teach them because they, the disciples just aren't that thrilled to see them, but Jesus is. Let me talk to you as a parent for a moment. How many of you parents know that when your children need you, you're going to drop everything to be there? You, 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 you kiss rest goodbye because your children need you. You need to recognize that that's how God feels about you. That no matter what's going on, when he sees that you need him, he's going to drop everything else that's going on and minister to your need. Everybody say, he's a good God. Now, he starts to teach them and the day rocks on and all of a sudden it gets late in the afternoon. And remember that the scripture never said that the disciples were thrilled about seeing all these people starts getting late and then all of a sudden Jesus or the disciples go to Jesus and they say Jesus look man it's getting late in the afternoon and you know we need to send these folks away so they can go get something to eat there's nothing to eat around here you know send them away God just just send them away Call, tell them to go home tell them to go into the villages and go find something to eat we're, we're, we're just getting a little crowded around here and then all of a sudden, Jesus looks at his disciples and he makes this statement. This is in Mark 6, 37. But Jesus said, you feed them. Matter of fact, let me, let, let me help you out here. Uh, Jesus, thank you. So I, 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 want, you, I want you to get a, a look at this. Kevin, let me borrow you. Uh, Caleb. Run up here. You've got a beard. All right. I need somebody else. David, come on up. You got an attitude. Come on up. <laughs> All right. So here, here's what's going on. So here, you guys stand over there. And Jesus, <laughs> these guys have just said, man, send all these people away. Tell them. Send them home. They got an attitude. They're tired. They're saying, send them away. Let them go get something to eat. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you do it. You do it. You, you feed them. And this is how they respond. With what? <laughs> they, I mean, now, that, now that, that when you get tired, you can even end up coping an attitude with God. How many of you know it's true? How many of you ever got down in your prayer and you were tired of a situation that was going on and all of a sudden now instead of asking God to take care of it, you're telling God how to take care of it. And so now they're tired and, and, and they're saying, feed them with what, man? We, we, we'd have to work for months for us to get enough food to feed all these people. And Jesus, listen to me. This is what Jesus looked at him. Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Here's the lesson. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, start bringing God what you do have. 
instead of getting an attitude and saying, God, I can't believe this is happening in my life. I just, I just can't believe all this is going on. Why don't you start focusing on what you've got and how God has blessed you and shake that thing off and begin to bring what you have to God and watch him do a miracle. So they, they go out and they come back and they said, well, we got five loaves around here. And, he, and Jesus asked him, he said, what do you have? And that's what God is asking us. What do you have? Thank you, guys. Give him a hand, would you? No, you hang out here a second. So when he gets done, he has fed 5,000 men along with their families, with women and children. And the disciples don't get that a miracle just happened. So what do you mean? I'm going to show you. Just stay with me. I'm going to show you in Scripture how they don't get it. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, they didn't get it. How many of you have ever dealt with someone, you were trying to explain something, and they just had a glazed over look on their face? You know, and you're thinking, do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Do you, and, 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 but gee, here's the thing. It's when people don't get what we're saying, we get frustrated, don't we? I, I remember I was in college and I had a, a, a teacher that was trying to teach a problem. And a student was asking a question about it. And the teacher was trying to explain the question. And the more the teacher tried to explain the question, I began to realize the teacher didn't know how to do the problem. I'm telling you the truth. And all of a sudden, I'm watching this man, and I see this teacher's face start getting redder and redder. And she finally said, Rick, would you come up here and explain this? I'm getting tired of trying. Wow. I promise you, you've never had God tell you he didn't know how to take care of it. You've never had God have the, you bring him a problem that he didn't know how to solve. He didn't know how to take care of it. So we've got to trust him. Everybody say trust him. They apparently don't get it. What makes you say they don't get it? Well, let's read on. Let me, let me explain this part of it. When we're exhausted and running on fumes, it makes it hard to believe God. I know there are people in here today. <laughs> when you get tired and you get flustered and you're wore out, sometimes it even makes it hard for you to go to God. It makes it hard to believe God. And so, watch what Jesus does, because how many of you know that Jesus knows what we're going through? He knows, he knows what's happening, and he also knows how to take care of it. Watch this. Mark 6 and 45. Immediately, now if you don't catch the words here, you're going to miss what I'm talking about. I want you to underline these two words I'm going to show you. Immediately, underline that one. Immediately after this, Jesus, here's the next word, insisted. Underline that one. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. Everybody say Bethsaida. While he sent the people home. So I'm looking at this, and I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. I, I see this language that immediately Jesus insisted. 
So in other words, he's saying, look, this is not optional. Get in the boat and go to Bethsaida. And he stayed back to tell the people goodbye. And then he goes off in a place by himself to pray in a mountain. And I'm thinking about, okay, there's got to be more here than I'm seeing. So I started looking up the word Bethsaida. The word Bethsaida means a fishing house. So he's sending them to a fishing house. And it dawned on me, he wants them to catch something. Because right now, they just haven't caught it yet. Everybody say, they haven't caught it yet. Now, you say, how do you know they haven't caught it? Well, hang on, we're getting ready to take a trip. They get in the boat, they leave Jesus, and then late that night, while they're in that boat and Jesus is up in a mountain, a storm breaks out. Give me a little bit of stormy weather. Now, it's okay if you see that from your house, right? If you inside, matter of fact, I like looking at storms sometimes. I don't know if you do, but I like, I, I'll stand out and, and, and watch a storm. I was out on my porch one time watching a storm and a bolt of lightning hit so hard, I went back in the house. I said, well, I'm just gonna watch it from the window. Then I found out it can get you in the window. I thought, man, I'm gonna go take a bath. Then I find out you can get electrocuted in the bathtub when a storm's going. Did you know that? Oh no, there's no place to get away from the storm. Exactly. There's a miracle in the storm. What's hap what happens is they find themselves out in that storm. Jesus sees where they're at, and the scripture said that he saw they were in serious trouble, rowing hard, struggling against the wind and waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus started walking toward them. Okay, go ahead and call the storm. Thank you. He walked toward them, he got in the boat, and the storm calmed. It just stopped. When he started walking toward them in the storm, the scripture said he was going to pass them by. Why? Don't miss the miracle of the storm. Let me, let me read this to you because I want you to get this. In Mark 6, 51 and 52, he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Do you get what had happened? He had fed a multitude of people with five loaves and two fish. He had fed thousands of them, and the disciples treated it like it was no big deal. How could they do that? How is it that they don't get it? It said that they didn't understand. That to this point, they did not understand the miracle of the loaves and fish because their heart was hard. Let's take a look at where they were at when this happens. One thing is the sun shining. Everybody goes, sun shining. <laughs> Middle of the day. The other thing is, it happened gradually. There's no big boom and then all of a sudden there's uh, 
500 pounds of fish in front of him and, you know, 3,000 loaves of bread. No, it happened gradually. He started praying. He broke the bread and he just starts giving it to them. And they keep passing it out. This is a gradual thing that's happening, but they took up 12 baskets full. They took up more than they started with. They took, do you understand when you give it to God, you'll always end up more with more than what you started with. You'll always have more at the end of it than you had at the beginning of it. And so he starts passing this out to them, but they don't get it because daytime, gradual, and heart hard. They're tired. How many of you know when you get tired, you just don't have the patience you have when you're rested? So Jesus insisted that they get in a boat immediately and go to a place they could catch something. And they end up catching it in the middle of the storm. Jesus starts walking to them in that storm because he knows they're struggling. He knows they're in trouble, so he goes to them. God will never leave you in your storm alone. He'll come to where you're at. But as he comes, he's wanting to find something out. Are you just going to continue in your fear? Because they said it's a ghost. Or are you going to invite him into your ship? Are you going to say, Lord, I need you. God, here I am. Here I am, Jesus. And he was waiting to see if they would respond to him or if they would continue to push him back, continue to let their fears dominate their life instead of their faith. And in the moment that they called out to him and he stepped in that boat immediately, the storm stopped. It's the miracle of the storm. The storm stops, and they're all amazed. And they're thinking, look what he just did. Look, And then something unique happens. See, they started out going to Bethsaida, but that's not where they ended up at. They started out going to a place where they could catch something. But when they caught it, they wound up in a place called Gesenaret. Everybody say Gesenaret. In Mark 6 and 53, after they crossed the lake, they landed at Gesenaret. They brought the boat to shore. The name Gesenaret comes from a Hebrew word that means to confess or acknowledge that it's undeniable. They didn't get the miracle when they were on shore, but once they got in the middle of a storm and they saw his power, they landed in a place where they said, look, I'm confessing this is undeniable that God is God, that Jesus is Lord. What, how many times have we found ourselves in a place where we're just kind of lax in our walk with God? that we're just kind of taking God for granted and everything's just rocking along and we've got smooth sailing going on and then we begin to find ourselves getting a little bit cold and indifferent, drawing away from God a little bit. Our senses become dull and then the first time a storm hits, uh, let me tell you, they weren't tired anymore. They were wide awake. They were fighting for their life uh, and Jesus is trying to get us to see uh, that when you find yourself in a storm, uh, you need to understand 
understand that he's the same God in the storm that he is when everything's going fine for you. He's the same God. He hasn't changed, and he's looking for someone that will invite him in. You know, sometimes we do to Jesus what I did to Alex. We just let him set while we're talking it over. We just let him stand at a distance from us, and we don't invite him in. The patience he had with me, he got ready to leave, and I said, no, don't leave. Stay here. You're going to have to walk this out with me. And that's exactly what he does. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. He doesn't run away from your storm. He comes in the middle of it, standing in the waves, because he's not afraid of going down. He knows he's not. He's not afraid of what's surrounding you. You've never had a storm that made God nervous. God stands in the midst of your storm waiting for you to say, I need some help, Lord. I need some help. And he stepped in that boat, and when he stepped in that boat, the storm shut down. Do you understand that let hell rage? There's a God in heaven that's still able to speak peace to your heart, to bring you where you need to be to wake up our senses to recognize that if he's God then I'm able are you hearing what I'm saying if he's God then we're able because he said greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world somebody shout I want to know the miracle of the storm isn't it odd that sometimes it takes a storm in our life you say well Storms are bad. No, 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 no. Second service, or first service, if you'd have been here, I was preaching this. When I started preaching about the storm, that's exactly what started happening. It started storming. I, I told the folks, I said, I didn't even schedule that with God. I mean, that was just, that was just God. He, God knows when we need a storm. What are you saying? When there's no storm, things dry up. When there's no storm in our life, things begin to wither and die. But when a storm comes through, it causes us to learn things about God that we never understood about God before. It causes us to understand that it doesn't matter what's going on around us. There's a God that's with us. Story, true story about a little boy. He was in uh, the Bahamas. His house caught fire. His family was in the house. Mother and father and his siblings, I think there, if I remember right, I think there were like seven other children. And when the house caught fire, it was a multi-level house, and they all ran out. And as they were running out, the little boy got frightened coming down the stairs and ran back up. All of a sudden, so now the family's outside, and he's in the midst of the fire. Somebody say, a storm's raging around him. He ran to the window, and his father's standing outside, and he looks up, and he yells to his son. He said, son, jump. I'll catch you. And the little boy yelled out. Smoke is billowing up. And the little boy yelled out. He said, dad, I can't see you. He said, it's okay. I can see you. Jump. <laughs> see, sometimes we can't see him. 
Sometimes the storm is so great that we can't determine where he's at or who he even is. But he's there and he's saying, I know you don't recognize me. I know you're afraid. I know you may be a little nervous, but just jump. Just trust me. Just believe that I am who I said I am. He brought them from a place where they needed to catch something to a place where they had caught it. And they are, it's undeniable and they're confessing he is who he said he is. How many of you ready to let God be who he said he'd be? Give Alex a big hand. Thank you. He'll always be there. Paul makes this statement. You know, it's amazing how God can change our heart in the midst of a storm. Paul makes this statement. He said, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying, God sent Jesus, and Jesus is all you need. He's going to supply your need according to his riches. Would you stand with me? I want to share a story with you, and we're going to pray. It's a guy, his name was Russell Kelso Carter. He was a gifted athlete, and in 1864, he was 15 years old. During a prayer meeting, In 1864, he surrendered his life to Christ. He went on to become an instructor at Pennsylvania Military Academy. He led a fruitful life, and he became a minister, a medical doctor, and even a songwriter. But by the age of 30, Carter had a critical heart condition. He was on the brink of death. Doctors could give him no hope. Everybody say a storm came into his life. But he committed himself to believe in the promises of God. And he said, I'm I'm going to trust him. He knelt and made a promise that healing or no healing, his life was finally and forever consecrated to the Lord's service. He trusted in God, leaned on God, and for the next 49 years, he just continued to live for God. 30 years old and his life is supposed to be over, but he decided, he said, you know what? He said, I'm just going to stand on the promise of God. Whether he heals me or not, I'm going to stand on his promise. Whether it happens or not, I'm going to trust the Lord. 49 years later, he was still trusting the Lord. During that time, Carter wrote a song. May, you might have heard it. It went something like this. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. I'm standing on the promises of God. <laughs> His favorite stanza was standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. 
by the living word of God, I shall prevail. I'm standing on the promises of God. <laughs> and the course says, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. I wonder who in here today would say, Pastor, I choose to stand on the promise of God. I'm not telling you that there's not a storm going on. I'm just telling you that I see somebody walking to me <laughs> in the midst of the storm, and I'm going to stand on his promise. I finally understand who he is and what he can do. Larry Huffman, or Larry, are you in here today? Larry, come on up here. We're standing on the promises of God with Larry. Larry's scheduled for brain surgery on Thursday. How many of you know that God is able? God is able. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. What we're believing is this. The scripture says that he is the great physician. Amen. How many of you have ever felt the presence of God on you? You ever felt like God was just controlling you? You found yourself in a situation. Well, that's what I'm praying for these physicians. I'm going to pray that when he gets in there, that all of a sudden God's going to take control of these physicians. He's going to guide their hand. He's going to give them clarity of mind and understanding. And they're not going to even realize it, but it's going to be Jesus doing the operating. <laughs> As you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, Father, we... Mm. God, I ask that even now, that you begin to in your hands. This is my God, confidence. In you never fail. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. God, I praise you. And the Bible says that his grace is sufficient. Father, I thank you, Lord, for grace that you're bringing. Lord, strength, God, encouragement, in Jesus' name. Father, we're believing that before they ever start, you already have. And we give you praise for it now, in Jesus' name. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, there's been a storm in my life, or you may be in the middle of one now. You may have just come out of one. But you're saying, I know that God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. I know that he's able. Somebody say it with me. I know that he's able. So we're going to declare it today. We're going to invite him into the boat. We're asking him to step into our storm because we know that he can still it. He's still able to speak peace over us. If you're in here today and you've got a need, I want you to come right now. We're going to pray for you very quickly. Just 
whatever it is, whether it's finances, whether it's healing, whatever it is, come on. Just stretch your hands to heaven with me. Doesn't matter how bad the storm is, because he's walking on top of it. No storm can take him down. He's on top of what you're going through. He's on top. Father, I thank you. Lord, I come in agreement with Donna today that you're going to supply according to your riches, not my ability, but yours. We receive it right now, Father. In Jesus' name. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. Shut the mountain lions. Bring tribals to life. And do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. I love that song. It says, do what you are famous for. You can't be famous for something unless you've done spectacular. You know what I'm talking about? He healed them. He delivered them. He set the captive free. He's never stopped doing that. As you surrender it to him right now, say, God, here it is. All of it. Every bit. Make way through the waters, walk me through the fire, do what you are famous for, what you are famous for, show the mouths of lions, the ring tried to
taking us from a place of catching to a place of confessing. He's causing us to move from the storm to solid ground. He's saying, now that you've caught it, I need you to declare it. Undeniable. Undeniable. You see, no one will ever be able to talk us out of who he is. Though I've had people try. (laughs) One man began to say, well, you know, what you're talking about, he said, that's not for us anymore. I looked at him, I said, sir, you need to understand something. I'm not talking to you about something I've heard about. I'm talking to you about something I've got, something I've experienced. As long as the devil knows he can talk you out of it, he'll always be in your ear. He'll always be in your ear. But once he realizes that you've got your mind made up, he's going to try and rock somebody else's boat instead of yours. Now look, you're not going to get through life without storms. But you're also not going to go through life without Jesus coming to you in the midst of your storm. So just hang on, and it's going to be okay. Everybody say, it's well. I've learned the miracle of the storm. Let me pray over you today. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I pray, God, that you'll bless them going out and coming in. That, God, you'll give them a depth of understanding of who you are and your word concerning their life. That you've made them the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And, Father, that no weapon formed against us will be able to prosper. Now, help us to rest in you so that we can be refreshed by you in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you today.